0: This is David Ewan to tell you a little bit about First Fruits. And this is just a brief, a very brief summary. Um, Let me share with you the agenda. First, I'll be talking about presentations and communications to the Lord. Second, I'll separate the concept of tithes, offerings, and First Fruits so we know the difference. Um And as part of that, number three, I'll talk about the history of tithing, how that teaches us obedience. Number four, we'll talk about offerings in general that shows the signs of what's in your heart. Uh, then number five, uh, we'll talk about vocabulary and more importantly, word choices to prepare for the understanding of tithing, offerings, and first fruits. And using these word choices, it'll help Understand the difference between the three of them. I'm talking about tithing, offering, and first fruits because if I just talked about first fruits, some people might ask, well, how does that relate to tithing? How does that relate to offerings? So we need to talk about all of them. Um, As part of that vocabulary, we'll talk about acts and symbols, character, integrity, what you reap, and what you sow. So again, we'll talk about acts, symbols, character, integrity what you reap, and what you sow. After that, we'll next talk about the original agricultural understanding of first fruits, because the economy back in the days of the Old Testament, which is 2,500 years ago, 2,400 years ago, uh, which is 400 years before the New Testament, uh, that is a uh, an economy that is based on agriculture, not the type of economy we have today. So we'll make the relationship. Um, After that, we'll talk about uh, why we'll be celebrating in 2019, um, April 21st, as being the day of celebrating first fruits. So why that day was chosen. So at the Resurrection Center, we'll be celebrating first fruits on Sunday, April 21. Um, the celebration of uh, first fruits is an annual thing. It's a once per year thing. Then we'll talk more about, now that we have an understanding of the difference between tithing, offerings, and first fruits, we'll talk about what is first fruits. And finally, we'll talk about the benefits of first fruits. So let me first give you a, a preface. To clearly know what first fruits is, you must know the difference between tithes and offerings. Tithes is not the same as offerings, so I'll say that again. Tithes is not the same as offerings, and first fruits is totally different from both of those, okay? So the prerequisite in our conversation today is first fruits is not the offerings that we talk about on a weekly basis, and in turn, that is not related to tithes. First fruits is something totally separate. It's an annual thing, okay? So... Let me just say this. Number one, to know first fruits, you must first know the difference between, uh, between, uh, tithes and offerings. After that, we learn that first fruits is different from tithes and offerings. So let's begin. Um, so let's first talk about presentations and communications to the Lord. So there are two things I'm going to talk about at this junction. We'll, we'll talk about presentations and communications to the Lord. First, the presentations to the Lord are, are the following. There, there are four things that I'll discuss. There are more, but there, there are four things we'll talk about. Ties, as I mentioned before, that's an act of obedience. And we'll give reference to the Bible on that. Offerings, uh, that's a demonstration of character. Um, it shows what's in your heart. Uh, first fruits is related to paving the path to the future. Um And then uh, the last one, the fourth one, is the service. And that's the devotion to fellowship and your church body. Okay, So that's presentations to the Lord. That's what I wanted to say about that. Now let me talk about communication with the Lord. So prayer is done in a format, well, not so much a format, but includes the elements of indicating that you adore God, you you confess that you have a need for god you give thanks to god and you seek his guidance so in general that's what prayer is among other things okay uh next there's praise praise is an action um, nicole allen who has visited uh the resurrection has often said praise and be raised um and then uh worship is a lifestyle now, I, I talk about praise and worship. Um, Kelvin, uh, our music director, had talked about praise and worship, and uh, he explained that praise is an action and worship is a lifestyle. So we learned that in a recent uh, Wednesday night Bible session at the Resurrection Center. Um, so, so far we've talked about prayer, praise, and worship. The next one is fasting. And again, I go back to Nicole Allen, who... Um, on a recent visit to the Resurrection Center, said, if you don't fast, you won't last. Um, and the last one is meditating in the Word. And that means reading the Bible. Uh, maybe you've got the paper book. Maybe you've got it on your cell phone in digital format. Maybe you listen to the audio version. But it's, it's meditating in the Word. Reading, thinking, meditating. Okay, so that's communication with the Lord. So that brings me to the end of talking about Presentations and communications to the Lord. That relates to what we were talking before about tithes, offerings, and first fruits. Okay? The tithes, that's the law of Bible times. Okay? It was demanded but not required. So that's why it's an act of obedience. No one was ever forced to submit tithes. But as it shows in the Bible, in various scriptures, it talks about a tenth or 10%, so 1 out of 10. Um, and so it's a, a mathematical calculation of a sort of income. Um, in biblical times, that was um, an economy of agriculture. Today, in the year 2019, and as we get ready to celebrate First Fruits on April 21st, 2019, it is more financial. Um number two, the offering. That comes from the heart. That shows your character. Okay? So tithe shows your ability to be obedient to the word, and an offering shows your character. It identifies what's in your heart. And as I mentioned before, number three, first fruits is paving the path to the future. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Um, so first let me give you the history of tithing. So, I won't read all of the scriptures. Uh, this, this audio presentation is only for the purpose of a quick overview. But, uh, tithes were given by the patriarch Abraham, and we know that in Genesis chapter 4, verse 17 through 20, and Jacob, and we know that in Genesis 28, 22. A systems of tithes was instituted in the law of God given through Moses. And that is found in Deuteronomy 12, Deuteronomy 14, Deuteronomy 26. Uh, and the prophets rebuked the children of Israel for failing to give the tithe to God. And that's in Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Okay, that's the history that's given. Let's talk about the actual mathematical calculation. Remember I said um, tithing is, the, the, the word tithe means 10%, 1 out of 10. Um, so I'll, I'll read to you, um, three scriptures. The first one is Genesis chapter 28, verse 20 through 22. After that, I will read Leviticus chapter 27, verse 32, and that'll be followed by Numbers chapter eight, uh, verse 15. So let me read, uh, the first one, Genesis chapter 28, verse 20 through 22. And the scripture reads, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me I will give a full tenth to you. Did you hear me say tenth? So that's in Genesis Chapter 28, verse 20 through 22. So that's what I wanted to say about Genesis. Let me now go over to Leviticus. In Leviticus, chapter 27, verse 32, the scripture reads, Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal, did you hear what I said? Every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. Verse 33, uh, no one, no one may pick out the good from the bad or rebuke any substitution. If anyone does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. So actually, uh, I said Leviticus chapter 27, verse 32. It's 32 and 33. But it's 32 that talks about that 10th again. So that's what I wanted to say about Leviticus. Let me go to Numbers. Let me go to Numbers. Uh Numbers chapter 8, verse 15. Um, the Lord said to Moses, uh, speak to the Levites and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. So again, we talk about 10%. A tenth. Very good. So now let me talk about offerings. That's different. Remember we talked about Tithing is in the Bible and it's related to an act of obedience. Uh, offerings is something that comes from the heart and therefore it really is a definition of a person's character. The cheerful gi- giver uh, I, I'm stumbling on my words, the cheerful giver. So I'm just going to present to you second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 9 verse 6 through 7. Again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 through 7. And the scripture reads, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Did you hear what I said? In his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now you understand what I'm talking about when I say that an offering gives an understanding of a person's character. Okay, so again, I just read Second uh, of Corinthians, chapter nine, verse six through seven. Now let's go to uh, some vocabulary and some new words and expressions. This is related to word choice. Okay, let me tell you about two key words: acts and symbol. So think of what your definition is for an act. When you do an act, what is that? It's an action. And the word symbol. Think of the word symbolism, okay? Um, So we learn about the Bible through acts and the symbols they represent. I'll say that again. We learn about the Bible through acts that are demonstrated in the Bible and the symbols they represent. So that's act and symbol. Now let me talk about two other keywords, uh, character and integrity. Okay, I just talked about character. That has to do with who you are as a person, and integrity relates to your trustworthiness. Okay, so what have we talked about? Our keyword summary, some word choices I just shared with you were acts and symbols, right? And I also talked about character and integrity. I'm going to use acts and symbols and character and integrity to tell you what tithes and offerings are. Tithes, they're an act of obedience, which is a symbol of integrity. Okay. An offering is an act of giving, which is a symbol of character. Let me say that again. We talked about the keywords these important words, acts and the symbols they represent. Then we also talked about character. And we were talking about character when we were talking about offerings and integrity. And integrity relates to your trustworthiness. Okay. So again, the difference between ties and offerings. And I'll use the words act and symbol and also character and integrity. So. Tithes is an act of obedience, and that's a symbol of integrity. An offering is an act of giving, which is a symbol of character. Okay, so those are the difference between um, tithes and offerings. Now we're going to go to some other keywords. We've heard the phrase "you reap what you sow," so that's those are the two words I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk about reap and sow. So we'll talk about how these words are used. So let me read the scripture. I'm going to read Luke chapter 8, verse 4 through 8. And what this does is this gives a better understanding um, in an illustrative way, through a mental diagram, of the difference between reap and sow, and how they are connected. So I will read Luke Chapter 8, verse 4 through 8. So here it is. Um, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground when it came up. The plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. A hundred more times than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So what God is saying is for us to be of good soil, that we as people should be of good soil. So a seed has already been sown to us, and so we should grow a hundredfold as shown in this scripture. Okay, let's talk about Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Again, Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So in this case, God is saying is that there are no shortcuts, no trickery. Okay, uh, that's another way, uh, as Pastor Jose has said in a Sunday church service, he said, you can't flirt with God. Okay, now I'm going to give you another important keyword, and that has to do with growth. Okay, so what is growth? Well, we talked about character integrity. With character and integrity, you have growth. Okay, so let's talk about what is that growth? Well, now we're going to start talking about first fruits. First fruits is related to the act of sowing for the future. It's a symbol of growth. You reap what you sow. Do you remember uh, what was said in Luke chapter 8, verse 4 through 8 with that parable? That's an example. But remember, first fruits is not part of tithes and reg- regular offerings. It's special. It's different. Okay, so now let me talk about, uh, the original agricultural understanding of first fruits. That's what I'm going to talk about now. So first fruits is a religious offering of the first agricultural produce of the harvest. In classical Greek, Roman, Hebrew, and Christian religions, the first fruits were given to priests to offer a deity. First fruits were often a primary source of income to maintain the religious leaders and the facility. We learned this in Leviticus. Okay? So let's talk a little bit more. Passover is a spring festival which during the existence of the temple in Jerusalem was connected to the offering of the first fruits of the barley. Barley was the first grain to ripen and to be harvested in the land of Israel. And that's why barley was considered first fruits. So Passover uh, as a commem- commemoration of the liberation of God from slavery in ancient Egypt um, In ancient Egypt and their freedom as a nation under the leadership of Moses, it commemorates the story of Exodus. That's what it represents. So as it relates to sowing first fruits, it marked the start of the agricultural cycle. So this sowing of first fruit prepares for the next harvest of abundance. That's what I meant when I said paving for the future. That's what that means. Okay? So now let's talk about how First Fruits is on the calendar and how it's represented uh, in terms of the scheduling. At the Resurrection Center in the year 2019, uh, we'll be celebrating First Fruits on April 21. Okay, So let's talk about the Hebrew calendar. So the first month, Nisan, the Passover month, is the traditional anniversary of the creation of Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, according to the Hebrew Bible. And the inauguration of the humanity's role in God's world. Okay? So Passover commences on the fifteenth of the Hebrew month of Nisan and lasts for either seven or eight days. Okay? For seven days in Israel and for reformed Jews and other progressive Jews around the world who adhere to the Biblical commandment. Eight days for Orthodox, Hasidic, and most conservative Jews, um, that's what it represents. So Uh, In 2019, that represents uh, April 20 through 26 or the 27th. Well, during the beginning of that period, uh, we'll be celebrating first fruits, which lands on a Sunday, April 21. That's the reason why that date was chosen. So it it has biblical reasons, historical biblical reasons, I should say that way. So let me talk about some relevant scripture as it pertains to first fruits. Uh, we'll talk about Leviticus and Proverbs and I'll make a reference to first Corinthians. So let me first uh, bring you to Leviticus chapter twenty three verse ten. Leviticus chapter twenty three verse ten. When you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And that's Leviticus, chapter 23, verse 10. Okay, that's what I wanted to say about Leviticus. Let me go to Proverbs. I'm going to talk about Proverbs now. Let's go to Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 9. Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the firstfruits of all your crops. And again, that's Proverbs 3, 9. Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 9. Okay. But it's also referenced in the New Testament. Uh, the Apostle Paul also referred to Jesus' resurrection as a type of first fruit. You can see that in 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 15 verse 20. Again, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 where he says, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. And that's, uh, that's what, uh, Jesus did for us is he paved the path for us forward. So it relates to preparing us for the future. So now let's talk about what is first fruits. Okay. Let's talk about what is first fruits. The Hebrew word for first fruit is bikaram, literally translated to promise to come. Again, that's the future. The Israelites saw these first fruits as an investment into their future. God told them that if they brought their first fruits to him, he would bless all that came afterwards okay so first fruit offerings are typically an annual gift to the church and done at harvest time okay because we're not actually harvesting crops the harvest can mean different things to different people perhaps you just got a bonus at work maybe you just received a huge tax refund check maybe you save 15% or more on car insurance with geico i don't know These are all harvest time moments when your hard work paid off. These are also great opportunities to turn back to God in gratitude for the blessings. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about features and benefits. So let's talk about what are features and benefits. Features of the first fruits. We'll talk about the features of first fruits. What is a first fruit offering? First fruit means to appropriately mark a portion of the produce of the field, see, in biblical agricultural times, as belonging to God. In the law of Moses, there is a parallel between the offering of first fruits and the offering of the firstborn male, which opens the womb. Okay? So, again, it's paving the path to the future. So, let's talk about what does the Bible say about first fruit. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priests. Exodus. 23 verse 19 the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the lord your god numbers eighteen thirteen: the first ripe fruits of all that is in their land which they bring to the lord shall be yours uh let's see let's talk about is the first fruit biblical first fruit is a religious offering of the first agricultural produce of the harvest in classical Greek, Roman, Hebrew, and Christian religions, the first fruits were given to priests to offer a deity. We talked about that in the beginning. First fruits were often a primary source of income to maintain the religious leaders and the facility. That was the initial intent in biblical times prior to New Testament. Is the first fruit ceremonial? You will see so that it is uh, on the 21st of April, 2019 at the Resurrection Center, but let me bring you to Leviticus, chapter 23, verse 10 through 11. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land, I'm going to give you and reap its harvest. Bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on that day after the Sabbath. So what you will see at the Resurrection Center on Sunday, April 21, 2019, we will either, uh, put the first fruits in a mantle or in a basket and you will see Pastor Jose wave it at the altar. Okay. So those are some of the features of the first fruits. Let's talk about the benefits of first fruits. So, waving the first fruits before God was a declaration that all the produce of the coming year, that means future, belong to Him. See, God owns all. He owns it all. And His blessing on the seed is crucial as it is also He who gives the increase. By honoring God with our first fruits, we declare that our families and all our possessions belong to Him. This holds a great potential of blessing for us. If we decide to dedicate our family and our possessions to God, we submit them to his kingship and place everything under his hand of blessing. It means that we give our best to God, just as Abel gave the firstborn, which is the bickerum, and it found favor and acceptance with God. And you'll see that in Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. And I'll read that scripture. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborns of his flock. The Lord looked with favor, on Abel and his offerings. So that is a summary of First Fruits. Uh, We're about uh, almost a half an hour uh, in this brief, brief overview. Uh, The agenda that we covered today was the presentation and communication to the Lord. We also separated the understanding of tithes and offerings and First Fruits. We talked about the history of tithing that teaches us obedience uh, we talked about offerings that showed signs of what is in your heart. Uh, then we talked about some vocabulary word choices uh, to prepare for the understanding of tithing and offerings and first fruits. Some of those words were acts, symbols, character, integrity, reaping, what you reap and what you sow. Okay. Uh, we talked about features and benefits. Um We also talked about the original agricultural understanding of first fruits, and uh, we talked about the scheduling and how at the Resurrection Center in the year 2019, why we chose April 21 as the day of celebration of the first fruits to prepare for our future of abundance. Um, then we wrapped up with what is first fruits? and some of the benefits of First Fruits. So I bring this to a close. Uh, thank you for joining me. My name is David Ewan. Um, in the year 2019, First Fruits celebration will be on Sunday, April 21. Uh, thank you for joining me. This is the Resurrection Center. Hello, my name is David Ewan, and this is part two, of the sequel uh, related to my discussion about First Fruits. There was already a YouTube podcast uh, that was produced and sent out related to a great summary of First Fruits. And this is going to be the conclusion of that. Uh, what we'll have is a review of what we spoke about in the first part, provide some more detail, and then we'll show how using the principles of First Fruits how history shows a prosperous future. And this is a true story of nations. We'll see that God is in control. God paves the way and just to be there and to seek him. So you'll see the impact of first fruits from one man's life. A true story that you won't hear in any other church. So as a review from our last session, um, there are two keywords that I'll talk about. Um, act and symbol. We learn through the Bible through acts and the symbol they represent. We also, uh, you'll pardon my voice as I'm getting over a little bit of laryngitis, uh, but I'll get through it. Um, number two, two more keywords, character and integrity. What is most important in our lives is our character and integrity. So we're talking about acts and symbols, character and integrity. So we we talked in our first session About first fruits, the difference between tithes and offerings, because we needed to understand tithes and offerings before talking about first fruits. So we said tithes is an act of obedience, which is a symbol of integrity. Offerings is an act of giving, which is a symbol of character. Okay? And then we talked about the difference between tithes, offerings, and first fruits. Okay? Well, first fruits relates to harvesting. Uh, and that is what is gathered in possession that is owned by God. In biblical times, the economy was agriculture. In present day times, it's financial. So the agriculture was owned by God in biblical times. And for what you and I are related to, we talk more in terms of financial. So today's economics relates to finances rather than agriculture. Okay, so... What do I mean by prosperity? Prosperity relates to the future of greatness in terms of our needs. Uh things like survival needs, food, clothing and shelter, finances, um, education for the babies uh and our children, uh family support, spiritual needs, general well-being, okay? So, let's take a look at uh Another looked at acts and symbols. I told you before that tithes was an act of obedience, a symbol uh, which is a symbol of integrity. Offerings is an act of giving, which is a symbol of character. And first fruits, that's an act of harvesting, which is a symbol of prosperity. So it's paving the path to the future. So we talked about in our first session that the Hebrew word for first fruit is bikram. It li- literally translates to promise to come. Okay. The Israelites saw the first fruits as an investment into their future. God told them that if they brought their first fruits to Him, He would bless all that came afterwards. So first fruit offerings are typically an annual gift to the church done at harvest time. Um, and at the resurrection center in the year 2019, it will be the 21st of April. The motivation of first fruits is a free will offering that we offer out of our generosity. It shows that we're not in love with money, but that we are grateful to God as the ultimate re, uh, source of it, of the increase that he provides us. Um, and we are thankful for that. James chapter two, verse 17 reads, thus also faith by itself, it does not have works, is it dead. Um, so on the calendar and scheduling, the first month, Nisan, that's the first Hebrew month. That's the Passover month. It's a traditional, anniversary of the creation of Adam and Eve. It's, so the first man and woman according to the Hebrew Bible in the inauguration of humanity's role in God's uh, world. Passover commences on the 15th of the Hebrew month of Nisan and lasts for either 7 or 8 days depending on uh, groups of people um, that we talked about in our previous discussion. So in 2019, it's April 20 through the 27th. So Sunday falls on the 21st, so that's why at the Resurrection Center in the year 2019, we celebrate um, First Fruits, the ceremony on that day. Okay, so God's holy principle of First Fruits. Let's talk about that. God first explains First Fruits. Then God shows First Fruits as the key to your future. And then, most importantly, First Fruits is more than just an offering. It's a principle, okay? Uh, God explains first fruits. Let me talk about the first one. In Leviticus chapter 23 verse 10, God declares when you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. That's Leviticus chapter 23 verse 10. Okay, so the divine establishment of God's order is actually the root, the foundation that governs the rest. Okay. Now let's talk about uh, God shows first fruits is the key to your future. Proverbs chapter three verse nine through ten. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Okay? Now again this is based on an economy of agriculture. The same would apply to today's economy. I just read Proverbs chapter three verse 9 through 10. <clears throat> so, finally, first fruits is more than just an offering, it's a principle. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, uh the scripture reads, "But seek his, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you." The, the focus is on God and what he owns. So again, I spoke that God explains first fruits. God shows first fruits as the key to your future. And first fruits is more than just an offering, it's a principle. Okay. So first things first. When you keep first things first through faith and obedience, you turn to God's promise, uh, into provision because he wants you to succeed. The principle of first fruits is God's plan for us to prosper and to be health, healthy all year long. It's a big sacrifice, but it's a seed for the harvest. The key word is harvest. You say, I am believing in the coming year and God always provides. So God adds the things to you when, and only when, the foundation of putting him first in your life has been firmly established. So let's talk about the promise to come. Um, As I said before, uh, the first fruits in Hebrew is Bikram, and literally means promise to come, and there's only one who never breaks his promise, God. So that is why the truth behind his promise to come in God's word is so powerful, those uh, long overlooked by many, this divine establishment of God's order of things is actually the root that governs the rest. When you keep first things first, through faith and obedience, you turn to God's promise into provision, abundant provision. The giving of first fruits must be done promptly along with payment of tithe. Okay? Meaning they're not the same. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 31 verse 5, the scripture reads, As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all of the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. Romans chapter 11 verse 16. If the part of a dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches, giving the first not the last, but the first of your finances to God will cause all of your finances for the rest of the year to be holy. First fruits causes God to treat your finances as holy, giving you favor with God because your finances are connected to the first fruit offering. First, first fruits are giving the first portion to God. Okay. So now I'm going to go tell you about um, our, a true story that goes back decades. Okay. Okay. Uh, my father's mother, my grandmother, was part of the worship team of the church. She played the organ. Okay? Uh, my father and his brother, along with his parents, were very much involved with the church. My mother was always quoting scripture while growing up. And so I, I always heard that. Okay? So my parents grew up in the Great Depression. They grew up during difficult times. The Great Depression was the worst economic downturn in the history of the industrialized world, lasting from 1929 to 1939. That was followed by World War uh, II in 1941, okay? So, here's here's what happened. When my father died in 2015, my mother the year before, we discovered my parents provided offerings to the community in South Deerfield, including the church. They provided a first fruit they also did that in the town of Weston, outside of Boston, where I grew up. We never knew this until they passed, We because we were looking at records. Um, as I was growing up, my parents stopped going to church, so I wasn't raised in the church. The idea of a minivan didn't exist back then to support a large family. Nine kids, after all, with two of them being twins. You know, As my wife says, uh, they call that in Columbia, no TV. Um, but that... <laughs> But that didn't stop my parents from providing a kind of first fruits to the community, including churches. That was how private until after they passed, when it was discovered. So they never announced it, not even to their children. My father kept this first fruits upbringing he had with him and spread a sense of the philosophy. Okay, he understood the principle. Uh, we can learn about first fruits from our history and it doesn't have to go as far back as the Old Testament in biblical times. You'll see the impact of first fruits from one man's life, a true story that you won't hear in any other church. So we begin our story in 1941. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt says, Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval air forces of the Empire of Japan. So what God did at Pearl Harbor and beyond on December 7th, 1941, is based on a future paved by Christians who asked God for the prosperity in the midst of tragedy. In other words, they offered their first fruits. It wasn't long after the Great Depression back then, America was seeking God. Whatever they had, they gave to God to reach blessings. My mother always said, you reap what you sow. This is what she meant. She lived it. Men and women of faith gave an outpouring of their personal harvest to become the greatest generation. The greatest generation, by the way, is a term used to describe those who grew up during the Great Depression and fought World War II or those whose labor helped win it. Okay, The Greatest Generation is coined by former NBC Nightly News anchor and author Tom Brokaw. He wrote the book The Greatest Generation. It's a story of faith in the midst of tragedy. Christians during those times gave all they had for their future, again, their first fruits. Okay, so let's talk more. So let's talk about what happened on Sunday, December 7th, 1941. Admiral Chester Nimitz was attending a concert in Washington, D.C. He was paged and told there was a phone call for him. When he answered the phone, it was Franklin, uh, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt on the phone. He told the Admiral that he would now be the commander of Pacific East Fleet. Admiral Nimitz flew to Hawaii to assume command of the Pacific Fleet. He landed at Pearl Harbor on Christmas Eve in 1941. Very important, Christmas Eve. My own father was a naval lieutenant serving as pilot and radio communications officer on a four-engine bomber, the B-24, the Liberator. And while as pilot, he also served as captain. Double duty back in those days. So let's talk about Jesus' day, Christmas Day, 1941. Christians were turned to God on Christmas Day and prepared to give a kind of first fruits for their country. People would die for the future of their children and country. Admiral Nimitz was given a boat tour of the destruction that happened in Pearl Harbor. Um, Admiral Nimitz is quoted as saying, the Japanese made three of the biggest mistakes an attack force could ever make, or God was taking care of America. Which do you think it was? And he explained the blessings in three ways. The first one. Admiral Nimitz said, the Japanese attacked on Sunday morning. Uh, nine out of every ten crewmen of those ships were ashore on leave. If those same ships had been lured to sea and had been sunk, we would have lost 38,000 men instead of 3,800 men. Bottom line, we still had warriors. We had sailors. Blessing number two. Again, Admiral Nimitz said, when the Japanese saw all those battleships lined up in a row, they got so carried away, sinking those battleships, they never once bobbed our dry docks opposite those ships. If they had destroyed our dry ducts, we would have had nothing. Bottom line, we had ships, uh, we had resources. Uh, mistake number three. Admiral Nimitz said every drop of fuel in the Pacific theater of war is in top of the ground storage tanks five miles away over that hill. This points to it, over that hill. One attack plane could have bombed those tanks and destroyed our fuel supply. Bottom line, we had resources. We had sailors for ships with all the resources. We entered World War II in 1941. In 1945, we ended it. God's hand making a change for his purpose. Let's talk about that. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is another way to say God works in mysterious ways. On August 6, 1945, at 8.15 a.m. local time, the United States detonated an atomic bomb over the Japanese city of Hiroshima. And I know people from present-day Hiroshima. On August 9, 1945, the United States dropped a second atomic bomb on uh, the Japanese city of Nagasaki. The surrender ceremony was held on September 2 aboard the USS Missouri. Now, God makes his blessings known. God makes his blessing, known. Admiral Chester moved on to have the USS Nimitz, CBN-68, named after him. At, with the retirement of the USS Enterprise, the US Nimitz is now the oldest U.S. aircraft carrier in service. The Admiral's name uh, is carried on. The son of a church organ player, Lieutenant Ewan, and captain of a B-24 Liberator, became a space explorer at Harvard University and helped pave the way for manned exploration of space. Less than 19 years later, man was on the moon. And I spoke to one of the astronauts, Dr. Edgar Mitchell. So my father became the father of nine children and ten grandchildren. He was blessed to be married for 58 years. And what happened to my uh, my grandmother who played the piano? I should say the organ, you ask. My wife's engagement ring is her engagement ring. Her memory continues. And today, Japan is flourishing with prosperity in so many different ways and is a key ally to the United States and the Asian Pacific. I do a lot of work with Japan, and I've been doing that for about four years. So, in closing, let me talk about the evolution of change from the hand of God that demonstrates the principles of first fruits. If God can mold the future of prosperity and bring unity among nations, then can he do the same for you? God has a future for you. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Your first fruits plants the seed and paves the way to your future. It's your future. Only you can sow the seed and reap the rewards. The greatest generation of World War II is of the past, but the best generation is yet to come. It's yours if you want it. You have to choose. God shows the future by principle, we see it in history, and that's what's happening in America.